Hello, AAF, XFL, and other football fans. My name is Tony Allison. I'm here with Keegan Stottlemyre, and this is the first episode of the Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast. Uh, you can check out our Twitter at AltFSPodcast, and you can al- also check out AltFantasySports.com for all of your fantasy sports needs for the AAF. So we have a couple of topics this week to go through. We have the uh, the AAF 2020 expansion. We've got eight teams or eight cities on the list for possible teams. Uh, we're going to go through each and every one of those. Uh, we're going to go through most of the week four games. And we're going to deep dive into some of those. We have our players of the week for offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, we're going to go through our power rankings. We're going to talk about Philip Nelson and his injury, Johnny Manziel and his possibility of coming to the AAF, uh, what to expect when the AAF inevitably butts heads with the XFL, and we're going to finish off the day with our Week 5 predictions. So I'm Tony Allison. This is my co-host, Keegan Stolomire. Keegan, take it away with the first topic. All right, so our first topic here is the AAF 2020 expansion. We have from multiple sources that it's a good possibility that these are the eight semifinalists for the AAF's four-team 2020 expansion. So, quick run-through of all the cities. We have Albuquerque, Dayton, Columbus, which are both in Ohio, uh, Des Moines, Louisville, Oklahoma City, Omaha, and Portland. Now, out of these eight, I think there are three very good cities for the AAF, and the other five are kind of shoddy, but if they do three teams, it's not going to work out. So starting with the first team, Albuquerque, New Mexico. What are your thoughts, Tony? Uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. So we've noticed with the AAF teams that are already here, Memphis, San Antonio, San Diego, Orlando, you got a lot of teams in the south. You only have one real team up in the north, and that's Salt Lake. Uh, Arizona, another one in the south. So I think Albuquerque, you know, being another southern city in a southern state, you're really just kind of flooding the market there in the southwest. And when you're trying to generate interest in a league and generate interest in teams, you don't want to be pulling fans from another team's potential market. I think that's what Albuquerque would be doing especially with Arizona and San Antonio. And when we look at other teams on this list that are better fits, like Oklahoma City, which we're going to talk about in a second, Oklahoma City, it's right near Albuquerque, but it's in a better spot for the AAF. And I just, it's, Albuquerque is right in between, like, San Diego, Arizona, San Antonio, and Salt Lake City. That's the entire West right now. If they add another team that's right in there, all five of those teams' states are going to be touching. It's just too much of a crowded market. Mm-hmm. And you also have to figure out the uh, or think about the balance of the conferences. You know, you don't want teams too close together. And you know, if you're going to have if you're going to add one team in the West, you got to add one team in the East, or else conferences are just going to be, you know, completely out of balance. Exactly. All right, so, so moving on one, to the next team. Yeah, our next one. Uh, I'm really gonna I'm gonna clump the next two together. Dayton and Columbus. 
Uh, there's a lot to say about these two. I think Ohio is an amazing market for a football team, especially for the AAF, given the state's rich history of college football, and it has two NFL teams already. Uh, it's also got the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So Dayton and Columbus are two great choices for me. And I agree with you, Tony. I think that Dayton or Columbus, it's going to be a really, really successful market. And I think that with the Browns on the rise in the AFC North, I think that new fans coming in, I think they'll see the AAF, they'll see this new league that's trying to uh, trying to target the younger audience with their integral app, with the integrated fantasy sort of game. And I think that new fans coming in to see this Browns team are really going to latch on to Columbus or Dayton. And when we look at the situation with the AAF, like we said earlier, Salt Lake, only team above the Mason-Dixon. All of those northeastern football states and regions like New England, Baltimore, Washington, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, none of those guys, nobody's going to a game except for the really dedicated fans because they're just too far away. And I think that with a team in Columbus or Dayton, it's going to generate a lot more revenue when it comes to people coming from those northeastern states. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Uh, I'm going to say out of the two, Columbus is probably my stronger choice. Uh, just based on the MLS team that's already there, it's really successful. And we already know that there's a pro sports market there in Columbus. Dayton's a little more unproven. Uh, so Columbus, because it already has a pro sports market, I think it's just the better, the better choice out of the two. Yeah, and you can't forget about the Blue Jackets in the NHL. I forgot about the Blue Jackets in the NHL. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Columbus, I think, is the better choice out of the two of them. All right, so uh, moving on to Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, this one doesn't make that much sense to me. It's just kind of, you know, it's it's too far out of the way, and it's too fall, too small of a market to really make uh, a big impact on kind of the league moving forward and the league growing. You know, there's there's a college football market there, but it's really not the biggest. You have Iowa and you have Iowa State, uh, two decent teams. I wouldn't call them, you know, good or great teams. But, uh, yeah, I mean, basing it just off of the college sports market there, you know, you're, I don't think an AAF team would have a lot of success there. Yeah, and I, I agree, but I think that Iowa – it's a good possibility that they're going to get an AAF team because what we've seen with the AAF, they're tapping into the untapped markets. Iowa, you can definitely say that they're an untapped market. Don't have many pro sports at all there. And Not a lot of corn there. When we, yeah, that's true. That's about it. But when we look at the other teams that could possibly be categorized into the East, uh, I think Iowa's a little bit of a stretch for the East, but looking at the other teams that the AAF is put in the Eastern Conference, I think that they'd probably put Iowa there. Looking at the other teams that can be put in the East, I don't think there's much competition there. So it's really going to be a toss-up. I agree. Uh, moving on to Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, another one that doesn't make that much sense to me, solely based on how close it is to Memphis. Uh, you know, you already have 
a team in Memphis, so you're really, you know, if you put one in Louisville, it's just one state over. It's going to it's going to start kind of pulling away from Memphis's market share and Memphis, you know, their attendance numbers aren't the greatest. So if you if you pull away those fans that are coming from Kentucky and coming from areas surrounding Kentucky, you know, it's only going to get worse for them. Yeah. And when we look at the map, you can really see that the AF is targeting that not really north, but eastern audience like iowa ohio kentucky it's all right there within a couple states Mm. and i think that we've already established we think there's going to be an ohio team and louisville it's too close it's right in between memphis and ohio it just wouldn't work and you'd be drawing revenue from those other teams absolutely uh moving on to omaha nebraska this one's an interesting one because you do have a big uh, college football market there with the University of Nebraska, the Cornhuskers. Um, I think this one could work out for the AAF. You know, you get another northern team, you get a Midwestern team. You know, that could the Midwest is a is a huge football part of the country. You know, you got the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chicago Bears, all all of those guys right there in the middle. You know, very, very important, huge, huge football markets. So Omaha, Nebraska, I think could really work out. I think that if the AAF district, or not districts, puts them in the Eastern Conference, I think that would work. Because Omaha, it's slightly Eastern when it comes to the United States. But I don't think that it could really compete with a couple of the other teams in the West that we've already gone over. Mm -hmm. And I think this next one that we're about to talk about, Oklahoma City, I think that's a lock. Oklahoma City's a lock for me too. Uh, I think the market, the pro sports market there is huge. You already have a, uh, already have a big NBA team there that's doing very well. And I think there's an MLS team there, isn't there? Uh, I'm not sure. Let, Let me check on that one real quick. Yeah, but uh, you have you already have a pro sports market, and you have the big college football market down there in Oklahoma, and it's just close enough to Texas to where those northern Texas fans would really, really want to get in on the action. And you're also just close enough to Kansas City and Missouri to where those Kansas City fans would also drive down. I think... Uh, a lot more readily than they would to San Antonio and a lot more readily than they would to Memphis. Yeah, and it doesn't look like they have an MLS team. They have a USL team. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what that yeah. is. United Soccer League? It's, yeah, that. Like that. Yeah, okay. Uh, but yeah, I think Oklahoma City's a lock. Big pro sports uh, market, big college football market in general. You know, and it's it's far enough away from San Antonio to where I don't think they'd be pulling away from uh, from San Antonio's market, and it's close enough to the Midwestern teams to where you could draw a lot of interest from, like Colorado, Missouri, places like that. Arkansas, another big college football market. You know, that's right next to Oklahoma. Yeah. I I 100% agree with you, Tony. This next team, Portland, Oregon. I think this is the biggest reason that Omaha won't get a team. 
I think that Portland, Oregon is a really good pick for the AAF. You have North, very far North. AAF doesn't have anything North. Yeah, you got I... West. That's a big problem because we already have a ton of teams out on the West Coast. But I think that Portland, we've already seen, they've had interest in an NFL expansion team for years. They were clamoring for a team when we got like Carolina and uh, Houston, teams like that. Yeah, Portland really wanted a team. I think they'll get one in the AAF. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, Portland might not get an NFL team anytime soon, but I think I think they're going to get some sort of pro football team uh, very soon, whether it be the AAF or the XFL. Hopefully the all AAF. Right. The, yeah, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> now that we've covered all eight, what do you think are the four final teams? Uh, I think the four finalist teams, I would go with Columbus, Ohio, uh, Oklahoma City, Portland, Oregon, and then I'm kind of split between Des Moines and Omaha. I think that if the AAF can get Omaha to be part of the Eastern Conference, if that's something that they can do, I think that Omaha is the the team that will be paired with Columbus in the Eastern Conference, and we agree on the other three. But I think that the most likely team right now is probably going to end up being Louisville, Kentucky. Really? Yeah. I don't think it's a good move, but I think it's a likely one. Okay. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. You know, there's a pretty big market down there, no pro sports down there. So, uh, yeah, Louisville, Kentucky makes sense. I just don't think – I think it's too close to Memphis to really – really make it into my final four but i see where you're coming from yeah all right so we're gonna head into the week four games so let's start off with memphis memphis finally wins a game against the fleet uh why did they win a game i think that yeah i I agree with the wording of that question, Tony. I think that Zach Mettenberger should have been starting the entire season. I Absolutely. think that Memphis could realistically be right up there with Orlando at the top of the Eastern Conference if Zach Mettenberger had started. And I think that Zach Stacy, he had an off day, but I think he is a very legit running back in the AF. He's a very good running back. We saw that in his limited time in the NFL, that he could play when he wasn't injured. What we've seen in the first couple weeks of the AAF that he is very good. But I think to continue the win streak in Memphis, that they're going to have to just trust Mettenberger. I think, you know, I think that's the right answer there is just trust Mettenberger. You know, it took him three weeks to bench Hackenberg. But, uh, you know, at least they did. I think if they yeah, had started Mettenberger from the beginning, even if they had started Mettenberger week two, they could be two and two. They could be three and one. You know, if you're being really optimistic, they could even be four and oh. But, uh, yeah, I think the combination of Mettenberger and Stacy are really, you know, it's it's a really good one-two punch. And especially with Sherman Beatty getting on a roll lately, you know, it's uh, – I think Memphis – I think Memphis is better than their record lets on. And I think their receiving core is very solid. When it comes to Alton Pig Howard, 
He's a bona fide wide receiver one, but Hackenberg <laughs> doesn't know how to throw a football. Yeah. So expect more out of Alton Pig Howard in the coming weeks. I agree. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how Mettenberger does next week. I'm excited. You know, last week he threw uh, he threw two two touchdowns uh, in the second yeah. half of the game, and then uh, against San Diego, he led the team to a win. So I think, you know, as long as you trust Mettenberger. And as long as you trust Zach Stacy, as long as you trust your defense, you know, the main word is trust. You're going to have a lot of success there in Memphis. All right, Tony, you asked a question about your team. I'm going to ask you, how did San Antonio manage to shut down Birmingham? Um, defense. <laughs> you know, you, you shut down Luis Perez. You shut down uh, Trent Richardson. You're going to win a game. You know, you see, it was it was – the closest game we've seen all season, 12 to 11 San Antonio win. Uh, but Birmingham just could not seem to get their offense off the ground the entire game. Luis Perez had 202 yards, but if you look at those yards, they don't look good. <laughs> you know, Trent Richardson only had 15 rushing yards. So, you know, you shut down Luis Perez, who a lot of people were saying were going to be the best, uh, was going to be the best quarterback in the league early in the season. Uh, and he shut down Trent Richardson, who a lot of people were saying was going to be the best uh, running back in the league early in the season, you're going to get a pretty easy win because outside of those two, you know, who do you have? Yeah, and I think that if if the Birmingham Iron had gotten Brandon Ross a little bit more involved, I think that they could have had more success in the run game, but they were busy ringing that bell cow bell when it came to Trent Richardson. And he got a touchdown, but he only had 15 yards on eight carries. Exactly. And it it was not a good game for the iron offense. I think that if they had fed Brandon Ross a little bit more, they probably could have beat San Antonio. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't look too much into this game when it comes to Birmingham not being good. But I think that a lot of the San Antonio being... Very, very low in the power rankings, which I was guilty of. I think a lot of that was a little bit reactionary. And I think that we can see now San Antonio's still a legit team. San Antonio is definitely a legit team. Uh, you know, you got a lot of competition in the West there. But I still think, you know, despite their record 2-2, two and two, you know, they're sitting at 500. I still think San Antonio is the most complete team in the West. I agree. And we're going to touch on Arizona in a few minutes. And I think that Arizona, we thought they were very good at the beginning of the season because of how they handled Salt Lake. And I'm, I'm not convinced anymore. Well, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty hard to be convinced of Arizona when you get beat by the Atlanta legends who... It is. <laughs> you know, who started Aaron Murray. You know, I'll give Atlanta that. But still, you know, it's it's Atlanta. <laughs> you know, they've kind of become the laughing stock of the AAF, which I feel bad to say. But really, you know, they just you look at them and they haven't played good. They played pretty decent against Arizona. Uh Aaron Murray threw for over two hundred fifty yards, which I think if you had uh if you had started Murray uh week three or week three, you'd be sitting at two and two. Uh but you know, Scratching out a win against Arizona, 
not the biggest accomplishment, but Arizona is kind of the one to blame here. And I entirely agree with you there, Tony. Now, do you think that the San Diego fleet are any good without Philip Nelson coming into week five? Philip Nelson's going to be out for a month, which is, you know, almost to the end of the season. You know, you're going to be in week eight or nine before he comes back. I thought San Diego was going to be a contender for the championship, you know, for the for the Western crown. Uh, I think I think San Diego would be lucky if they made the playoffs now, you know, without Philip Nelson. Because who do they have to look for or who do they have to look to? They got Berkovici, who showed in his week one outing that he throws a lot of interceptions. I mean, that's that's really all he showed. He, he throws a lot of interceptions. Philip Nelson is a very good quarterback, uh, probably one of my top five quarterbacks in the AAF, or he was before he got injured. But now that he's out, uh, I, don't see San, or I don't see San Diego making the playoffs anymore. And I think we're on the same page here. I don't think Alex Ross is going to be the starter. I think that Alex Ross should be the starter. But I'm convinced that San Diego goes back to Mike Berkovici in week five. And I'm convinced that somebody that's playing against the fleet in the next coming weeks is going to put another big hit on Berkovici, and I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, I want to see it too. Uh, let's hope his helmet comes off again. <laughs> hope yeah, it doesn't get I, hurt, I hope, but let's hope his helmet comes off again. Yeah, never wish an injury, but I do wish for his helmet not to be tight enough. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, so moving now, on to the Apollos and the Stallions. Can anybody stop the Apollos this year? I mean, the, Garrett Gilbert looks like far and away the MVP of this league so far. And uh, Orlando looks easily like the best team in the league. Now, I don't think anybody in this league is going to stop the Apollos. I think the Apollos have the championship to lose at this point. It's their game to lose. And I think that Memphis is the only team in the East that's going to give them a run for their money. We saw that Birmingham, as long as you can shut down Trent Richardson, their offense can't do much because Luis Perez still doesn't have a touchdown through four weeks of the AAF season. Not a good quarterback. Yeah, not very good. And I think that Orlando, if they improve their run defense, we saw that Kenneth Farrow... Had a very good game against them in week two. I think that if Orlando improves their run defense, they can run away with this East and probably the championship. Absolutely. I think uh, the key to Orlando uh, winning the championship is just keeping it rolling. You know, Garrett Gilbert's on a roll. Uh, Charles Johnson, who I'm glad I picked up uh, on accident, is also on a roll and you know their defense is playing just fine to support their high-powered offense you know i think like you said uh orlando all they have to lose now is the championship yeah and i think that if they keep davion smith if they keep giving him carries i think he's a very explosive back and if they mix in Akeem Hunt as a change of pace back, then Orlando has an extremely solid run attack to go with their dominant passing game. So 
I think that their offense is basically unstoppable at this point because we saw them face one of the most solid defenses in the league in San Antonio week two, and they tore them up. We're going to see them play against Birmingham this week. I don't have high hopes for Birmingham's defense. I agree there. You think Orlando goes undefeated this year? I think that Memphis is going to play upset the second game that they play the Apollos, and I think that the Apollos go 7-1. to All right. Uh, I hope you're right. <laughs> All right. Next, next little topic here. Is Atlanta legit with Aaron Murray? Um, you know, they had a good... They had a good game against the Hot Shots, but uh, as we were saying earlier, you know Arizona. I don't think they're as good as their record says. Uh, I think I still think the Legends are the worst team in the Eastern Conference, and uh, Aaron Murray. You know he provides a boost to that offense, but you know I don't I don't think it's enough. I really don't think it's enough. I think uh, I think Atlanta is going to finish under five hundred, and they're going to miss the playoffs for sure. Now, you said Atlanta's the worst team in the Eastern Conference. Does that mean that you think that the Stallions are a worse team overall, or was that just a slip-up and you meant the whole league? Uh, you know, with Aaron Murray I think it's just kind of a toss-up between Atlanta and Salt Lake for the worst team in the league. I think with we're Matt in agreement Simpson, today. Sorry. Atlanta is absolutely the worst team in the league, but with Murray in, I think yeah. it's uh, I think it's 50-50. All right, and uh, are the hot shots as good as we thought? I think we've already given given away our answer for this. Yeah, uh, we are in agreement they're not. <laughs> they are not as good as we thought. They they look good in week one and two. Uh, the last two weeks, not so great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think the hot shots are decent. Um, I think with San Diego – you know, with Philip Nelson hurt, they'll probably scratch their way into the playoffs. But I don't think they have a chance of making a. I don't think they have a chance of making the championship, let alone winning it. And I've been saying since week two, when they had to come back against the Express, led by Hackenberg. I've been saying since then, Arizona's an overrated team, and I, my thoughts have been confirmed these past two weeks. I don't think Arizona is a playoff team, but again, with Philip Nelson's broken clavicle, he's out four to six weeks, and I think that, yeah, Arizona will probably scratch their way into the playoffs. All right, so uh, let's move on to our players of the week. So we're going to start off with offense. Kenneth Farrow the second, 145 total yards on 31 touches. His team got a win, too. What a day for Farrow. Yeah, now the AAF record holder for rushing yards in a game with 143. He had, or 142, sorry. He had a three-yard catch. Not much, but that catch got me a point in our PPR league. Nice. Not going to complain about it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just a very solid day for Farrow. Got to 30 touches. I do not think that... He will be able to sustain this type of production in that uh, running back by committee. But I would love to see him sustain this as a Commanders fan. Uh, I'd agree. You know, Kenneth Farrow, he had a really good day. 
but it was against uh, it was against Birmingham's admittedly shaky offense. You know, he's he's a good back for San Antonio, but I don't think he's a great back as his last week showed. Uh, he's he's gonna do just fine here in the AAF, uh, but I don't think he's gonna he's gonna top any you know fantasy charts or anything. Um, San Antonio is probably my second favorite team. They're my they're my team in the West, uh, so I want to see him succeed. But again, I don't think he's gonna I don't think he's gonna be able to sustain that. All right, before we move on, we have some breaking news from the NFL. The Ravens have cut safety Eric Weddle. What are your thoughts? Um, not a big Ravens fan. My team in the AFC North is the uh, is the Browns. So, yeah, I don't really have any thoughts on that one. <laughs> I'm not a Ravens fan either. Even though I'm coming from Maryland, I do not like the Ravens as much as most of my fellow Marylanders do. Uh, I've only been to one Ravens game, and it was against my team, the Broncos. Oh, now, Broncos. Uh, I I think that this is the right move for the Ravens. Eric Weddle's play has been declining the past couple of years. He's still a uh, pro bowler, but on the contract he was on, he was too much of a cap hit, and the Ravens have been trying to free up cap space in the couple of last days to hopefully sign some big-name free agents like Le'Veon Bell, as we've seen with the waving of starting running back Alex Collins and the fact that they're letting C.J. Mosley go into free agency and the trading of Joe Flacco. All right, so moving on to our defensive player of the week, Drew Jackson out of Memphis. 13 solo tackles, four tackles for lost, uh, one interception. Four passes, defense, and a win. <laughs> four passes, defense, and a win for Memphis. That's the important part is a win for Memphis. <laughs> Drew Jackson, uh, my man. This Memphis defense has looked good from the start, despite them being one and three. You know, every game they played has been close. So, you know, I wouldn't I'm, say every game, except against Orlando. There, uh, well, also Birmingham. <laughs> All right, also two out of the four games they played have been close. <laughs> there you I go. Think, I think it's due to the defense. Uh, you know, I'm glad to see one of our guys, you know, getting up there on the board, getting getting a good day, and getting the win. Yeah, and I think that Drew Jackson was absolutely dominant against the fleet with that uh, that interception. It was a diving interception on the left sideline. It was a very good play by Drew Jackson, and he was all over the field on uh, Saturday. And I think that if Drew Jackson continues to play like this, he will be the leader of that Memphis defense. I agree. All right, moving on to special teams, Austin McGinnis. He's four for four, long field goal of 46, three 40-plus yarders, and the win. How about that? Yeah, I, I think that... Oh, know, yeah. Kickers are probably my I mean, favorite. Uh, you know, very underrated position. So I'm, I'm glad to see one doing so good. Yeah, and I think that Austin McGinnis, he was the right fit in Memphis to replace... The struggling kicker Josh Jasper, who didn't even get an attempt week one and then missed all of them but one in week two. It was very and sad. I think, yeah, it, it was. Uh, I think that Austin McGinnis is a solid kicker from what we've seen. Can't say anything too soon because he's only played one game in the AAF.
right now, I'd rank him up there with kickers like Nick Rose, Nick Folk, and Nick Novak, the three Knicks. The, the triad of Knicks. Yes, who just happen to be the three best kickers in the AF. We'll see, uh, we'll see how it goes next week, and uh, let's, let's hope they keep rolling. All right, let's, uh, All right. let's move on to Manziel possibly coming to the AAF. The story broke last week, and it is, uh, it's a very interesting one. Johnny Manziel was cut by the, uh, by the Alouettes in the Canadian Football League, and he's been in discussions with the AAF. And uh, Charlie Ebersol said as long as Manziel is clean and clear, which means you know he's not on any drugs and he doesn't have any legal problems, uh, I say he gets a tryout with an AAF team for sure. Yeah, and I think it's very interesting. Manziel not making an NFL comeback. We know that much. He's been banned from the CFL for life as far as we know. Yeah. And at this point, his only two options are the AAF and the XFL. And with the way Johnny Manziel is, I think he's itching to play football right now. I think that he'll probably end up getting a tryout at some point this season for the Commanders as they'd be the team that gets first dibs on him, seeing as he went to A&M and uh, played for... Cleveland, which I believe is part of the... Or, no, the uh, Alouettes. Is that the team he played for in the CFL? Yes. All right. The Alouettes are uh, Commander's districting of CFL teams. So, Commander's would get first dibs. If they pass up on him, I think he'd be a perfect fit in a Birmingham offense as they need a quarterback who has some mobility. You think Birmingham? I think San Diego with Philip Nelson going down. Uh, Manziel could help him make that push to the playoffs for the rest of the year. I think that's a good possibility too, but I think that Birmingham needs a new quarterback better than, or more than the Fleet do because the Fleet have Alex Ross and Berkovici. Berkovici probably will lose the starting job in a couple of weeks, and Alex Ross looked pretty decent last week. All right, so... Uh... Only got about ten minutes left, so let's uh, let's do our power rankings, and then we'll do our game predictions, and that'll be the show. So, All right. if you have listed your power rankings, uh, I'll just read them off real quick, and then we can talk about them. So, you got the Apollos, Commanders, Iron, Hotshots, Express, Fleet, Legends, and Stallions. Uh, just one thing that sticks out to me is. Uh, you got the hot shots above the Express, buddy. <laughs> that that hurts. You know, I know the Express are one and three, but I think they deserve to be above the hot shots, even though the hot shots beat them. Yeah, I I agree with you, but at the same time, I can't put the Express above the hot shots because, for all we know, the Express they could be a one week wonder, and just like the Fleet were. The Fleet had one good game, two good games, but one game that really propelled them above the pack in most people's eyes against the Commanders. And the Commanders dropped very far in a lot of people's power rankings. I think that this is possibly the same situation with the Express. They're rising in a lot of people's power rankings, and the Hot Shots are falling very fast. I don't think the Hot Shots are a top-half team, but I don't think it's fair to put the Express as a top-half team after one win. 
All right, well, we'll see how it all turns out. You know, I, I think uh, I think the Express are better than a lot of people are letting on. But again, you know, it was one week. So we'll see. So week five is coming up. Let's make our uh, make our quick predictions. I'll just start reading off the games if I can find them. Uh, Orlando so got, versus the Iron. Orlando yeah. versus the Iron. I've got Orlando. Iron are going to drop. I also two. have Orlando. Orlando is going to go to five and zero. Uh, I think Orlando is the clear favorite, especially with the Iron loss last week. Um, yeah, Orlando. Garrett Gilbert's going to throw for six hundred yards, nine touchdowns. You know, Akeem Hunt's going to run for four hundred twenty yards. It's going to it's going to be a big game for Orlando. Yeah, I think I think that uh, besides your your statistics predictions, I think that's a solid pick. I'm also going with Orlando this week. All right, so then we got Salt Lake and San Diego. Uh, I'm gonna go with San Diego just because of how bad Salt Lake looks right now. Um, San Diego is not looking too much better, but I I still think they're a better team, a more complete team than Salt Lake. I'm picking Salt Lake in a low-scoring game. I'm saying 15 to 11. Okay. I think Buonio is going to have a pretty good game, around 80 yards and a touchdown. I think that uh, whoever's playing quarterback for the Stallions at this point, uh, I think that they'll be able to pick apart a San Diego's uh, porous secondary. And I don't think that Berkovici, who is the predicted starter at this point, is going to do very much against the Stalt. Salt Lake uh, Stout front seven, as we've seen that uh, San Diego's offensive line isn't good at all. All right, so we got Memphis Express versus Atlanta Legends. Uh, This one's kind of, at this point, a battle of the two worst teams, at least in the standings, uh, in the East. Uh, I'm going to go with Memphis Express. Mettenberger's going to have another big game, and... uh, Atlanta's going to make this one competitive, but I think I think the Express are going to pull away with the win. I'm thinking Memphis wins this game, too. Like I said earlier, I don't think they're a one-week wonder, but I can't rank them above the hot shots because of the possibility. But I think Memphis pulls out a win this week against a bad-to-say-the-least Atlanta team. Atlanta falls to 1-4 and four as the un, uh, undisputed worst team in the AAF. And I think that Memphis really shows that they could be a better team than people are expecting. All right, and then our final game of the week. This one's on Sunday at 7 p.m. San Antonio Commanders versus the Arizona Hotshots. I'm going to go with San Antonio. They look like a complete team. They look like a team that will win the West. And uh, Arizona, you know, as decent as they are, I don't think they have a chance of winning this one. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Arizona's a decent team, but they're not decent enough. I think that Woodside throws for 260 and two touchdowns, both to Mikhail McKay. (laughs) I think that Mikhail McKay will dominate the Arizona Hotshots defense, and I think that Farrow is going to have a pretty good game too. I'm picking the Commanders on Sunday night, a battle of my team versus the teams the rest of my family's rooting for, so... It'll be an interesting one. All right. Well, it was really good talking to you this week, Keegan. We'll be back next week 
with another episode of the Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast. Again, you can follow us at Alt Fantasy Sports or wait, it's Alt FS Podcast on Twitter, sorry. And you can yeah. go to altfantasysports.com to start your league still. It's not too late. You can still draft, you can still have, you know, people play with you. Uh and there are plenty of different options for you to do that. There are guillotine leagues, there are points per week. Standard you know? leagues. Yeah. Uh lots of different options for you. Yeah. So and don't forget, follow Alt Fantasy Sports on uh Twitter at Alt Fantasy S P O R one. And uh follow follow my analyst account on Twitter, K Stottlemeyer A A F. All right, and if you're watching on YouTube, I'll have all of those linked in the description. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.